Welcome to Free on a Bridge recording of Requiem's Dagger by Randall J. Wombeam, book one of the Foothold Saga, read by London Homer, Madison Volley, and Caleb Bristol. Print and Kindle versions of Requiem's Dagger are available on Amazon. Chapter 9. No! Multiple voices shouted at once. The elderly man stumbled backwards, flailing without his cane. Tripping, he landed against an armchair. He clambered out of the way of the sword, chasing his throat, but his strength failed without his cane, Cole trapping him. Please don't, he begged. I don't have a lot of money, but there's some in the office downstairs. You can have it. Thanks, Jack said, vanishing. Hendrina, stop him, William ordered before addressing Cole. Put the sword away. He witnessed us. Now! Elizabeth's right arm crackled as layers of ice formed around her wrist and down her fingers, fashioning a curved dagger. Vincent stepped through the mirror, the sword secreted inside his cane, flicking into his hand. Cole sheathed his weapon. You may report us to the others. We'll need to do the same with him. The elderly man wailed, I won't call the police, I promise. Baxter growled, Why were you accosting the poor mortal? Vincent handed the elderly man the cane he dropped. I hope this incident doesn't sour your opinion of us. I promise you we're better people than Cole would lead you to believe. With Vincent's help, William lifted the trembling mortal to his feet. They lowered him onto an armchair, where he could hopefully rest comfortably, and they could avoid terrifying him further. I'm sorry, that should never have happened and won't happen again, William said, shooting Cole a warning look. I promise we're not here to rob you. Dagfin said, Well, he did offer us money. No, he didn't. Something heavy crashed on the floor below. Will you help me round up Jack before he breaks something else? Fine, but I say we take up his offer. It was not an offer. William's attention returned to the frightened old man. How are you feeling? If you're not here to rob me, what the hell are you doing in my store? During their numerous discussions, the Fae overlooked explaining what they were to mortals. In hindsight, that was a serious oversight. William began, You see, we're Fae. We're magical creatures. We come from the other half of the universe. Vincent gripped William's shoulder, shaking his head. I think a demonstration is in order. Elizabeth kneeled beside the man, holding her furrowed hands. I'm not going to harm you. I only want to show you something. A gentle breeze rolled from her lips. The microscopic snowflake swirled in a petite blizzard, condensing into a unicorn. Neighing, the unicorn galloped around the old man's palms. It will only exist for a minute before it melts, so be careful. The old man's breathing slowed and he stopped trembling. He was enthralled with the fingernail-sized creature, a twinkle of childlike wonder in his eye. William had no idea Elizabeth could do something that extraordinary. No wonder she called them weaklings. Creating life was formidable sorcery, and the League of Amaranta. If she was the daughter of a fey lord, how powerful was her father? When the unicorn liquefied into a droplet of water, the old man asked, How did you do that? Magic. No, really, was that a hologram? That was sorcery. Magic doesn't exist. I assure you it does. 
Elizabeth stood guiding him towards the mirror. The old man grew increasingly suspicious, hearing the murmuring of thousands of people seemingly coming from nowhere, or more likely a pair of hidden speakers. The image placed inside the mirror was obviously a television, except it had real depth. Gradually his eyes widened and he struggled to say something. Anything. Tears trailing down his cheeks, he gripped the mirror, chuckling. Of course, he whispered to himself. Amaranta must have understood something was wrong because she was standing in front of the enthralled spectators. Her handmaidens gripped her arms, pretending they were protecting their lady from the mortal. In truth, they were keeping their queen from losing her balance. William asked, What's your name? John. John Hashimoto. I'm William the Wanderer. My friends shorten it to Will. This is Elizabeth and Vincent. That woman is the Lady Amaranta. Amaranta curtsied. A pleasure to meet you, John. This is real, isn't it? William smiled. It is. John Hashimoto lowered his head, laughing. It had to be this mirror, didn't it? Why do you say that? I suppose you don't know the history of this thing, do you? I might know some of it, but enlightened us anyway. About a decade ago, a family practically gave me this mirror for free, John explained. Apparently, their sons vanished, leaving behind a note claiming they were exploring a fantasy land on the other side of the mirror. Was their last name Hunter? The old man scratched his chin. It was something like that. I don't remember. It didn't seem important at the time. Amaranta has met them. Really? Yes. That's surprising. Hashimoto tightened his grip on the mirror. The parents couldn't look at the mirror anymore, so they got rid of it. Some of my customers swore they saw someone looking at them. One woman allegedly sensed an evil presence possessing the mirror. I finally sold it, but the guy brought it back demanding a refund because he believed it was haunted. I managed another sale, but the woman thought someone had put a camera in it to watch her undress. I gave up selling the damn thing after speaking with the police. I suppose they weren't crazy, were they? No. William noted that unlike the other furniture, a sign dangled off one of the mirror's cherubs, informing the mirror was sold. Would you like to step through? Wait, you mean... I can actually travel into that wonderland over there? Yes. It's safe? Yes. I can come back and see my granddaughter if I want to. Of course, she can even visit you. William said, not adding that the brothers Hunter failed to return because they were trapped. William stopped John Hashimoto from falling twice before the trembling old man made up his mind. Why not? It could be fun. Had anyone told William he would return to the Fey Realm within minutes, he would have scoffed at them. However, John Hashimoto was worth taking back. The assembled Fey greeted the mortal with eager shouts, and although overwhelmed, he was enthralled with the magical creatures greeting him. He waved the crowd's excitement, escalating into enthusiastic howls amidst happy greetings. Amaranta gently squeezed his hand, graciously bowing. John beamed. Thank you, young lady. I wish I knew what you looked like behind that mask. Speaking of which, I have a present for you. 
A handmaiden placed a Volto mask over John's face, prompting him to ask, How am I supposed to eat wearing this? You're permitted to remove the mask to eat. Really? You wouldn't happen to have anything, would you? I didn't have much of a breakfast. Of course, all guests at my court are well-fed. Please, follow me. A streak of green light zipped through the mirror, skidding to a halt, frantically fluttering in front of William. Tina screamed, We have an emergency! John Hashimoto cursed. Damn, I'm on my way. William was bounding down the stairs before Hashimoto hobbled a handful of steps. The chaos had ended, but the disorder remained. A sheet of slick ice coated the floor, a mortal man laying face down atop the ice with Jack sitting atop his shoulders. Dagfin's teeth clenched the man's wrist, a cell phone a finger's length away from the man's outstretched hand. A noticeable pool of blood had formed between an upended side table and the man's head, two nines visible on the phone's screen. Cole restrained a second man against the wall, pressing his sword into the trapped man's chest. The blade was positioned for Cole to effortlessly slice open the man's neck. An arrow pinned the man's hand against the wall, Hendrina's bow primed with a second arrow in case he resisted. William shouted, Cole, release him now! No, he needs to answer for what he's done. William noticed two things at once. Stratton's head was sticking out from behind a couch, and a handgun rested on the floor next to Cole's foot. Resting on his back, his pressed white suit blossoming red, was Baxter. Stratton whispered a prayer to Asclepius while Natsumi clenched Baxter's hand. Ice formed around the crimson dot on Baxter's chest as Elizabeth pressed her fingers against the wound. She said, I think I can stop the bleeding, but I can't help him further. The flask on my belt. Cole bellowed, Give him a sip from it. William snatched the flask, pouring a plum liquid into Baxter's mouth. He sputtered as the fluid went down, but his breathing stabilized. Frothing pink blood popped from the back of his throat. Get him to Amaranta, William ordered. Stratton scooped Baxter into his arms, scaling the stairs as if the dying man weighed nothing. Natsumi, no longer able to caress his hand, clenched Baxter's hat to her chest. She was the only one crying, her waif-like frame viciously shivering. Dagfin, help her, he said, chasing after Stratton. Shoving Hashimoto aside, Stratton plunged through the mirror. Hashimoto muttered, That doesn't look good. Amarantha sliced Baxter's suit open with a stiletto, examining the wound on his chest. William showed her Cole's flask. We had him drink this. She took the flask, dribbling a droplet onto her fingers, sniffing the fluid. From the Isles of Zohar. Excellent. This should keep him from dying while we treat him. This is what injured him. Hendrina showed her the handgun. Like the cars, William comprehended what the weapon was without understanding how it functioned or why he knew what it was called. Cole elbowed his prisoner through the mirror, kicking the knees out from under him. He placed the sword on the man's shoulder, offering the hilt to William. If you'd like the honor. I'm not going to lob off a man's head. Amarantha staggered, taking a furious step towards them. Is he responsible? Cole said, He is. She motioned to her guards. Take him to the dungeons and treat his injuries. When he has recovered, I'll interrogate him. We do not execute people without trial in my court, Cole. Cole shrugged as the guards seized the prisoner, hauling him away. Tending Baxter's injuries, Amarantha's handmaiden steered Stratton to the castle. 
Jack and Elizabeth carried the second mortal into the Fey realm. Elizabeth said without elaborating, This mortal needs our help. Amaranta didn't say anything. She escorted them to the palace, treating the injured man, using Elizabeth as a crutch. John Hashimoto relaxed on the stairs, gripping his cane to stare absently at the crowd. His wizened features were ashen, his shoulders slumped. William sat beside him. I take it you know them? I hired them to move furniture. I'm sorry, we didn't expect this to happen. What's done is done, young man. An apology won't change that. A wave of raucous voices carried the proceedings of the palace through the crowd. The Fae were concerned and thrilled by the action. For them it was a show, one that for the moment did not impact them. Vincent glumly regarded the assembled Fae. I fear we've made a bad first impression. Chapter 10 It took several hours for William to piece together what had happened. The moving men were recovering from their injuries and willing to talk in the presence of their employer, although their words were muddled by bewilderment and healing spells. They arrived at work, surprised to discover Hendrina and Dagfin chasing Jack. The man with a handgun drew his weapon, barking for them to stop. Baxter attempted to calm the situation. Panicked, the moving man fired several shots. One of the bullets struck Baxter's chest just as Cole stormed him, jamming him against the wall. Hendrina shot an arrow into the shooter's hand, saving Cole's head from a gunshot. Meanwhile, his friend dialed the police, attempting to escape. Elizabeth cast an ice spell, and he slid across the floor, striking his head on the table. Jack decided to sit on the man's shoulders, while Dagfin chomped his wrist. The dog didn't understand what the man was doing, but considered it prudent to stop him, just in case. William arrived a moment later. John Hashimoto, to his credit, assisted William. He phoned his remaining employees, informing them that they would be receiving several days of paid vacation. John left a message with his son, claiming that due to emergency plumbing, he was going to be on vacation for a few days. He printed a sign for the front door to discourage customers, handing William the key. At my age, I was beginning to believe there was no magic in the world. You showed me how wrong I was. Baxter survived his injuries and was recovering thanks to Amaranta's help. When William spoke to him, he feebly whispered, I still hate you, but thanks for saving my life. Hashimoto and the moving man that suffered the head injury were permitted to wander Amaranta's palace grounds unescorted. The shooter was temporarily freed from the dungeon, palace guards accompanying him everywhere. Amaranta believed Baxter's shooting was a misunderstanding, but she could not forgive the man for acting hastily and promised to hold a hearing in a couple of days. In the interim, she provided him momentary freedom as long as he remained on palace grounds. Pity, Hashimoto said. I was one of the few people willing to hire the poor kid. Reggie's a bit lacking in the brains, obviously, and had a few minor offenses as a teen. Stupid stuff, drug possessions, shoplifting. He turned himself around working for me. Had I known he was carrying a firearm at work, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. Instead of abandoning the mortal realm, the expedition members were determined to continue. They had to, otherwise Baxter's sacrifice would have been pointless. However, they intended to be considerably more cautious than originally planned. John Hashimoto gave them permission to move furniture around his store. They placed a table in front of the mirror to hold conversations with Amaranta on the other side. 
She and Hashimoto, who loved the magical land of glowing flora, sat opposite them in the Fey realm. William positioned the handgun, minus the ammo, in the center of the table as a reminder of the dangers inherent in exploring the other side. Before setting off, William wanted to discuss the mortal realm with John Hashimoto. Having a friendly mortal to speak with would provide them further insight into their reality and supplied the Fae with an excuse to practice speaking a single language. For the most part, they were doing well, although Elizabeth slipped occasionally speaking in muddled French and German. The first question that William asked was the most pertinent. Are we in Seattle? Technically, you're in Bellevue, Hashimoto corrected. You'll have to cross a bridge to reach Seattle proper. I have a street map in my office if you want it. I'll get it. Jack volunteered, disappearing. He reappeared a minute later, holding a map ripped off the wall. He positioned the map on the table, carefully avoiding placing his hand anywhere near the handgun. Hashimoto had told them, I'm personally not a big fan of guns. I think they cause more problems than they solve. Always assume the damnable thing is loaded, even if you know it isn't. Too many idiots go to the hospital because they shoot themselves. William marked their location on the map. How safe is Seattle? Pretty damned safe. Seattle is a major city, so you have the typical level of crime you have anywhere. Plus, you're in the good old U.S. of A., where people think committing crimes is a constitutional right. Still, Seattle is one of the nicer cities in America. A bigger issue for you is that you're dressed funny, even for this city, and you're going to attract a lot of unwanted attention. You should find everything you need in the clothing store across the street. You might as well have the cash in my office and what I have in my wallet. You'll need more, though. I suppose I can get some from an ATM. Tell you what, I'll stop at the bank in the morning if you like. William instinctively comprehended an ATM was a computer linked to mortal bank accounts, although that knowledge didn't help him understand John's rambling. Hashimoto asked, I bet you don't have the slightest clue how to cross a street, do you? When they didn't answer, he explained the intricacies of stoplights and signs, clarifying that at his age it was hard for him to reach the other side before drivers aimed for him. He pulled the cash from his wallet, explaining how money worked in the world, and for the time being, it was prudent they rely on cash. William pocketed the money. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Is there any place we could go to do some further research into your world? Hashimoto snorted. My granddaughter would whip out her phone and Google it for you. Personally, I'd head to the library. I think you lot would find it easier getting information out of a book anyway. You can read English, right? Everyone nodded. Even the dog? Dagfin growled. Of course, and my name is Dagfin, by the way. I didn't mean to offend you. I'm still not used to you talking. Hashimoto pointed at the map. The library is a couple of blocks from this place. You won't be able to check anything out without a library card, but they have plenty of places for you to sit and read. Don't be too loud, though. You might get shushed. William said, That gives us a good start. We'll buy some clothes in the morning, then spend the rest of the day in the library researching. How does that sound to everyone? Boring, Cole grumbled. One more thing, Hashimoto said. I've been avoiding asking this, 
but you're not planning on walking to the library with those weapons, are you? Because if you do, the police are going to make sure you end up like Baxter, except you'll be on a slab in the morgue. Hendrina said, I can't abandon my bow and arrows. I have a solution. Without a word, Cole stood, crossing into the Fey Realm. Dagfin quipped, He went to cry because he doesn't get to keep any of his toys. Cole was likely asking the witch he mentioned during his interview for help, but William politely smiled at Dagfin's joke. Is there anything else we need to know? Hashimoto choked his laughter. Tons. We can be at this for weeks. But a few basics. For one, dogs can't talk. They bark. You might want to hide your fairy friend as well. He nodded at Tina. Pixie! Tina corrected. We're all fairies, although the term is less popular than fae. Pixie? Whatever, you look like a fairy to me. Also, your cat girl sticks out like a sore thumb and everyone's going to know she's not human. No offense, girl. Natsumi said, I'm an adult woman. At my age, I get to call anyone younger than me a boy or a girl. Actually, that's something we need to discuss, William said. You keep treating us like we're younger than you. The truth is, some of us consider you a prune-faced child. No offense. He guffawed. You're older than me? Very much so, Amaranta said. We're immortal. Stratton mumbled grumpily. Not all of us. John snorted in disbelief. He chose not to say anything, readily changing the topic. You need to avoid drawing attention to yourselves. Understand you don't have IDs, and this country has some harsh laws regarding who can enter. They tend to deport people or throw them in prison if they enter illegally. There are loads of morons in this country who'd lynch you because your skin isn't the right color and you're not even human. Just be careful. The fascists may not have taken over Seattle's politics like they have elsewhere in the country, but we still have them. Hashimoto yawned, his eyes rapidly closing. After the mortal answered a flurry of random questions, William decided it was time to end their discussion. Mortals apparently required a roughly eight hours of sleep a day, unlike mortal Fay, who slept out of habit. Thank you, William said. I think you've given us plenty to think about. In the meantime, let's relax for the night. We've had a bad couple of days. William remained seated while his friends freely wandered their new headquarters. No matter how much he tried, William couldn't stop envisioning the blood spreading on Baxter's suit and hear his rattling breath. Baxter had not died, but he was no longer with their group. Even if he hated William, he didn't deserve to be shot, especially while he was trying to pacify a potentially deadly situation. By the sound of John's warnings, there was considerable risk in exploring Seattle, and they were fortunate the gunfire had not been reported to the police. Elizabeth and Hendrina stared out the windows, sharing a private conversation. Dagfin stood alert on a nearby chair, absorbing everything they said, an uncharacteristically serious expression on his face. William would rather avoid talking to them to ignore any potential difficulties, but Amaranta had chosen him to spearhead the expedition. It would be better for William to know about a problem before it intensified into something they couldn't handle. The view outside the window remained unchanged except for the setting sun and the cars in the parking lot. Although he didn't see anything worrisome, William knew both women possessed a sixth sense of their surroundings. The only sense William had was of unease, probably because he was outside the Fey realm, worrying about everyone's safety. 
not because he perceived anything dangerous. Hendrina offered, We're not alone. Other fae have crossed over. I sense a frigid darkness that's been growing for some time. They suspected Mavash may have sent slaves into the mortal realm, so he wasn't surprised by the news, but it was still frightening hearing the disquiet in Hendrina's words. Elizabeth said, It's not just Fay. Other things I don't understand are out there. Magic different than ours. It's like a great number of forces are imposing their will upon the universe. What she said was unsettling. William never considered that magic might exist outside the Fey realm, that reality stretched beyond the Fey and mortal worlds. Dagfin quipped, That's not the best part. He may have sounded like he was joking, but there was an apprehension in Dagfin's tone sarcasm couldn't bury. Hendrina said, There's something else out there on the edge of understanding. A great evil, buried deep beyond death, calling out to anyone willing to listen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Foothold Saga. You can follow Randall J. Wambeam on Facebook for updates about his writing and the Foothold Saga on Twitter for updates about this podcast. To support this free audiobook, give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Thank you.